First things first. No, exploring the dark side of leadership is not about Star Wars. But yes, that would be so very cool. Now that we've straightened that out, let's get right down to it. Today's Businesses Are People Too, a podcast guest, is none other than toxic leadership researcher and podcast host, Dr. Kevin Sansbury. This is a deliciously juicy episode as Dr. Kevin and I explore concepts of toxic leadership, corporate narcissism, and workplace masks, while we aim to answer what if businesses saw their dark side of leadership? A few of the juicier tidbits include understanding that abnormal psychology can play in the workplace, that there's a deeper truth that all companies have toxic behaviors, and recognizing how our own self-deception can impact the business personhood. I mean, seriously, you are about to become fascinated with the dark side of leadership. So when finished, head over to the show notes for all the links we mention in this episode. Are you ready? Let's do this. Hello there. I'm Lindsay Harrell, your host of the Businesses Are People Too, a podcast podcast. As a brand strategist, mindset and behavior coach for quirky entrepreneurs, and a mental health advocate and speaker through lived experience. I am on a mission to bring more human back into our businesses and our communities. How, you ask? Why, by exploring the question, what if businesses realized that they are people too? Now this season, we go even deeper to explore what this question of business as a person means, further discovering what components, connections, and delicious nutrients these live entities need to thrive in today's business world. This podcast is for you if you believe in the power of listening for real human connection to then take action that matters. So, are you ready to hear what could happen if businesses realized that they are people too? Me too. Let's do this together for another awesome season of... Businesses are people too. A podcast. Welcome back to another episode of Businesses are People Too, a podcast. I am your host, Lindsay Harrell. And with me today, I cannot even contain my excitement. So get ready for the introduction we're about to have because it is fantastic with this guest. So today, Dr. Kevin Sansbury joins me. Dr. Sansbury is a behavioral scientist and executive coach whose inspiring work is driven by the need for evidence-based, inclusive and equitable approaches to urgently and proactively transform and coach leaders, eradicating toxic behaviors that threaten profitability, innovation, and the overall well-being of an organization. As an impactful executive coach, he is focused on providing research-informed solutions for settings as varied as professional sports, higher education, nonprofit, sales, and other large complex organizations. 
He is also the founder and principal of Kevra The Culture Company, a firm that utilizes research-based solutions to address organizational challenges, such as inclusion, equity and belonging, HR strategy and leadership coaching and development. Kevin is regularly sought after to speak and consults with leaders around the world related to his expertise in toxic leadership, human capital strategy and creative, pardon me, and creating inclusive cultures of belonging to enhance organization performance centering on employee well-being. Kevin is also the creator and host of the Toxic Leadership Podcast, which reached as high as the number four nonprofit podcast in the United States in 2021. I mean, goodness gracious me. This bio is just so brilliantly beautiful, as is the individual we're going to be speaking today. Please join me in welcoming Dr. Kevin Sansbury. Dr. Kevin, welcome. Hey, hey, hello. Thank you for having me. So I I really appreciate you reading that. You made it sound much better than when I wrote it. So thank you for that. Well, I mean, when we have the little voice nuances and personality, (laughs) it's one of my favorite things is reading people's bios because they get to hear just how awesome they are when it's read with personality. Absolutely. So Dr. Kevin, my goodness, I am so thrilled that you are here today um, because you bring such a, a, a unique perspective and research and just everything when it comes to leadership that I have not come across before. And this is the dark side of leadership, which is such a juicy concept. So I find it super duper interesting that you specialize in this and in that whole world of corporate narcissism. Um, So I'm wondering, what is it about this world of toxic leadership that drew you to it? And what do you hope to see as workplaces look to implement more human to human leadership styles? Yeah, so where it came from, I originally went to school and I wanted to study and work with serial killers. So I like fell in love with abnormal psychology back in the day. And I, you know, used to do reading about, you know, sociopaths and psychopaths and write about them and study them and things like that. But then I got to a point where I was up one night, I'm a night owl, so I was up one night and I was like, oh, this is creepy. I don't want to do this for a living. And I kind of pivoted, but my passion stayed. And if you look at the, my research lines, I actually researched the same stuff that I researched before when it came to like that on abnormal psychology, I just do it in the context of the workplace. Mm -hmm. And so I became really passionate about it because a lot of times what I tend to see in leadership research and as as we talk about leadership, like on LinkedIn and at conferences and stuff like that, there's just an overemphasis of like toxic positivity. And what tends to happen is those who are oppressed or those who are truly harmed in the workplace in particular women and minorities, those experiences tends, tends to get minimized mm-hmm. and downplayed or gaslighted um, like they're the problem or, or when in reality, we do need to look at other behaviors that may be toxic to folks. And so I started doing research in um, like CEO narcissism, for example, where we actually saw a uh, significant impact on women in particular compared to men. Uh, I did a study on abusive supervision where I actually saw a differential impact on minorities in the workplace, racial minorities in the workplace um, over, over and above, you know, if we just looked at the general population. And so 
that this is, this is an area that's near and dear to me because as an executive coach, I meet with people. And to be frank, I wouldn't even have a like consulting work if the dark side didn't exist. And so I, I wanna be one party or one person in this grander movement to eradicate these toxic behaviors. Mm -hmm. So, okay, so this is not a question, but I'm wondering, is there a good side to the dark side of leadership? I guess in a way. So that's a that's a that's a good one. No, but here's the thing. So here's the thing. When, when I when I did uh, you know I did a co-research study on CEO narcissism, we did see uh, some benefits because the study we did was we were actually trying to find the positive narcissist. And uh, I did that study with Dr. Scott Boswell and Dr. Stephen Stout. And um, we, we did the study because we were like, you know, positive narcissism, you know? So we did find that there were some positive traits that manifested. So in co companies that had a big turnaround or needed a turnaround and needed to get stuff done, mm -hmm. that myopic leader who focuses on their own well-being helped in some cases. But the, the, the silver lining, or I guess if there's a dark lining here, the dark lining is that unfortunately, those organizations still failed in the long run. They still had lower profitability and lower trust and engagement in the long run. And so th there's a reason why they're called the dark side of leadership. And I guess the positive piece of it you will see is plenty of people move up the corporate ladder with these traits. Mm -hmm. So it's positive for them, but if we're, but again, what are we focusing on? Are we focusing on what's good for the person or are we focusing on what's good for the collective or what's good for the organization? So that's mm -hmm. kind of how I would answer that. No, that's a that's a great, great answer with a very randomly thrown in question. <laughs> Thank you for participating in the conversational piece of this uh, podcast interview. Appreciate yeah, that. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> but so so I find this fascinating um, because there is so much talk about shifting cultures these days, uh, mm -hmm. particularly post pandemic and what are we coming back to and how do we build these cultures. Uh, that support people. So would you say it's easier to shift cultures who are starting from a knowingly toxic culture to one that's psychologically safe? Or, um, or those who believe that they actually have a fairly healthy culture already, yet when it's looked deeper, it's exposed that they are more toxic than they initially believed. So which company, at least in your experience, is typically more open to shifting their culture in the long run? Um, no. give me the, give me the dichotomy again. I want to make sure I'm, I'm going to make sure I'm capturing yeah, it. Yeah, absolutely. So, so yeah. there are those businesses that they know they're toxic. They mm -hmm. are bringing you in because they're aware that they are toxic and something needs to shift mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. versus those companies who they believe that they have healthy culture. They're just bringing you in to, to enhance their culture, to augment what they believe is healthy. But once they look a little bit deeper, it's actually quite a toxic environment that they're in. So okay. of yeah. these two, like, yeah. are they both fairly open to shifting? Is one easier to work with? Sort of what are those mindsets then that you get into? Here's, here's the way I would put that. So, you know, your podcast is businesses are people too, right? Yep. Well, businesses are people too. So if you had a person who, mm. well, you know, let's say person one, they're aware of something needing to change. Mm -hmm. They bring, they talk to a psychologist. Will they have a greater success of changing? Person two thinks everything is great. And yet if somebody's telling them, hey, you need to change and something's wrong. So 
there's going to be there's going to be a natural defense in that. Mm -hmm. And so typically what tends to happen is organizations who are humble, um, humble, up, humble enough to realize that, um, to be honest, there's no company that doesn't have like all companies have toxic behaviors that manifest in them, every single one of them. And organizations who recognize that fact are well off in the long run than those who don't simply because these behaviors are natural. These behaviors are protective in some cases. These behaviors are also defense mechanisms in some cases. So I say to answer your question, company one who recognizes that they have maybe an issue or something they want to change or whatever, they'll have a greater chance of changing because of recognition and awareness first. Mm -hmm. um, and so point blank. Here's an example of um, what I mean by this toxic behavior is normal. Micromanagement sucks, but micromanagement is a defense mechanism at times and it is toxic and i don't i mean i don't subscribe to it and i don't i don't i don't even i can't be managed like that myself but if you talk to a toxic leader which i've coached plenty of toxic leaders who are reformed micromanagers they did that because they got burned in the past based on some work product they didn't know about or based on something that happened and so it's a it's a protective mechanism it in times that i've talked to people it had nothing to do with the employee Maybe they don't trust the employee, but if you put another employee in that position, they probably don't trust them too. They just have trust issues, which again, manifest from something else. And so that's why on my podcast and in the research that I do, I don't really talk about it in a frame of toxic people mm -hmm. or toxic organizations per se. I'm really looking at it from a standpoint of a toxic person. See, they, that, that's, that, they're rolls on the tongue, but I don't mean like that. But like they have toxic behavioral traits. Yeah, yeah. A toxic organization has toxic behavioral traits and norms that are allowed to manifest. I do that on purpose because if I'm calling a company toxic or if I'm calling a person toxic, what really hope do we have for shifts? What really hope do we have for change? Mm -hmm. And when I talk about shifts and change, I also, words are important. <laughs> and so yep, I, I, yep. I, I, right? And so I also frame it as evolve. Because what in nature, what in real life actually transforms or changes like that? You know, things typically look similar to what the what it came from, but they evolve. Because if we talk about truly just erasing the past, there are some parts of the company you want to honor and you want to keep. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, so I really talk about evolution because it's like, okay, what? Let, let's let's talk about like to your point. Let's talk about the good that we do have here. Let's say we are very perfectionistic. Well, there's a nugget of positivity there that's called a company that centers excellence. So how can we take our desire of, for excellence and keep that mentality, but eradicate the toxic perfectionistic behaviors that we have? And so it's really important that, you know, when we look at uh, behavior in itself, all behavior makes perfect sense. Mm -hmm. Dr. Kevin, what I love about that is that it separates it separates the action from the worth of the person exactly and so it makes it so much easier to be and and to bring awareness to something of oh well, did you even know that this is what ha what you do yeah and go to that internal reflection of oh why and 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 even even to your point of that micromanagement is well perhaps it happened to them way back when and it has nothing and so that is a huge piece is really the being able to separate the worth of the, so the identity of the individual 
from the behavior themselves. And, and, yeah. and that's huge being able to, to, to do that. Yeah, and, and we must do that because if mm-hmm. we don't do that, what you're gonna be met with is your organizational you know, change or you're trying to evolve something, it's gonna be met with defensiveness because they're gonna be viewed as personal attacks. Mm-hmm. And in reality, I'm sure people don't mean it to be that way. So you wanna minimize that wall, that defensive wall that comes up mm-hmm. because as we know, you can have all the best data, you can have the most research plan, you could have, you could be completely right, but are we right now? And so being right doesn't really matter. It matters on how we can influence. Mm. Ooh, it matters on how we can influence. <laughs> it's so, gosh, it, 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 I was gonna say it's so freaking powerful. Like, goodness gracious, that's, <laughs> It's so freaking powerful, Kevin. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh my golly. Um, so, so Dr. Kevin, I was first introduced to you by your, your brilliant Ted talk on the mask we wear in the workplace. And it just dropped my jaw. I kept being like, yes, yes. And screaming at my screen as you were talking. I also laughed as it was just so, it's one of the best TED Talks I've had the opportunity to see. Thank you. So first of all, thank you for putting that out there. It was beautiful. Um, But I'm wondering, for those who haven't seen this brilliant TED Talk, and I'll be including the link in the show notes, because if you haven't seen it, you should. Can you break down what exactly these masks are in the workplace like what does this mean why do we wear them how do our masks contribute to a toxic workplace and and just ultimately what can we do about that yeah so just to give a brief description on what that concept is so i took the i i took my research that i was already doing and turned it into a 20 minute memorized ted talk you know it was nerve-wracking and so what it really was it boils down to looking at a um a construct called facades of conformity and that is has been that's been framed and researched by uh dr patricia hewlin out of mcgill university i think that's up in canada and um yeah and um basically what it looks at is it answers the question of you know how are employees how do employees mask their values and adopt the values of other or of their organization, basically? And so I was looking at that construct um, because people that I coach face that. I've experienced that in my career. And so that was really near and dear to my heart. And what I coined was the masks we wear in the workplace masquerade, because at, in the grand scheme of things, a lot of people shift their own personal values for profit, for privilege, for protection. And so I really wanted to walk through what I was observing in the modern workplace as a, you know, basically the act of self-deception. Mm-hmm. And I really wanted to explore that and how people cope um, with that. And so the, 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 you know, if one might ask, you know, well, why or what's the harm and, you know, faking it to make it. Well, I even ask in the TED Talk, are you really making it? you know, if that's your idea of making it, then sure, okay, but not my idea, and it's not plenty of people I know's idea of making it, but if that's yours, that's fine, but I really, I really want people to realize that we, we are fragile in a lot of ways, and that's why coping mechanisms exist, 
And if we don't take better care of ourselves and being more grounded, you know, they, they talk about midlife crises, but I, I, I'm coaching people right now past midlife who are having crises related to like, oh my gosh, I don't even know who I am. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm not able to um, look at myself in the mirror, you know, that kind of thing. And they're past midlife. So like, you know, compartmentalizing only helps in the short run. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm all about long-term well-being. And I feel like as we look at these masks that people adopt for whatever reason, if we tend to make them long-term, you're going to wake up one morning and not know who's staring back at you. I think um, just from a personal perspective, one of the reasons why your TED Talk hit me so hard is because that was the reality of my life for for a decade before I started my own business, when I got out of university and went into that corporate world. And so for a, a decade of my life, I wore these masks that, that hit a lot of my own personal values. And so I could fit in as opposed to belong. And that's exactly it is I, it's not necessarily that there's a toxic leader or a narcissistic leader in place it's sometimes we just show up thinking well this is how I have to show up because that's how everybody else is showing up Mm -hmm. and so there's this quiet acceptance of well now I put this mask on now I remove it but that actually does exactly as you said because for myself I sunk into depression and anxiety and I coped with a very unhealthy purging habit and once I understood how to remove that mask and step into what my values were, I was able to step forward. And so I, I think it, it's such a transformational idea of, do you even know that you're wearing a mask in the workplace? Do you even know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and some people are, are, how would I say, um, fortunate enough to realize it early on mm-hmm. that, you know, that self-deception is a form of internal oppression. Mm-hmm which is toxic. Mm-hmm. And meaning though, you know, when I say toxic, meaning it means it could spread negativity. So, you know, that, that internal self-depression or internalized depression that may occur can lead to, you know, something called um, introjective depression. It can lead to, uh, you know, immune system compromisation. It can lead to work family conflict. It can lead to poor outcomes in the workplace. And so a lot of people who are like, you know, I, I, but I'm crushing it at work. And I'm like, well, you know, at the end of the day, that's fine, but we can only, you know, nobody can be better than our best self. Like our, you know, we can only be our best. That's the best we can be is our best self. Mm -hmm. So, you know, for example, I worked in sales a small part of my career and I felt like I was crushing it because I was like doing awesome, but I hated it and it was stressful and I was nerve wracked all the time, you know? And so like, was I my best self? No. I totally did not like that kind of kind of work. Was I successful at it? I was I was great. Yeah, yeah. But am I better somewhere else? Am I better doing my own organization than I'm doing right now? Yeah, I'm way better, you know? And so it's it it takes a, a bit of introspection and honesty to take that mask off at the same time because you will feel a sense of loss as it relates to you know that realization. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, then how, um, like, how can people actually do something or mm-hmm. start to be okay with removing their mask in the workplace, with being able to show up and maybe shift that culture a little bit to say, here I am, this, yeah. is, this is the full me. 
Yeah, well, like we talked about in the first, you know, one of your first questions, mm -hmm. it is important for awareness to occur, right? And so some individuals actually, you might ask like, so what do you value? And then they actually start telling, reading me their organizational company values and like telling me what the company says. You know, I'm like, no, no, no. I'm like, that's, that's cool. Thank you for that. Glad you memorized that. You were part of that. Um, what, what do you, you know, right. I'm like, I'm like, yeah, A plus the gold star. What do you value? You know, who are you? And it's amazing on how people can't even answer that question. Who, who are you? What do you value? And so that's typically the first step. Um, secondarily, I always try to look for what's called opportunities for value congruence. And what that means is looking at where you have pockets in your life where you're actually living in those values, able, able to, to thrive, you know, and getting that psychological flow. Mm -hmm. um, because a lot of times people don't realize, well, guess what? You just, you, you're, you're taking your mask off, you know what I mean? And so I'm, I'm a big fan of people, you know, one-on-one -on -one coaching and individuals being able to have these conversations with someone um, just to get them out of their own mind. Because what your mind will do is create all kinds of defense mechanisms as to why you shouldn't, mm -hmm. as to why you should keep that mask on. And, and so I'm not saying, you know, there's a difference between a, a person going to work and operating under a certain work rules versus hiding who you are. There's a big difference between that. Mm -hmm. And some people, some people may say, I don't know the difference. Well, okay. Some people may think that, you know, but there, there's a difference between those two, um, two, two components. So, mm -hmm. and then I think as we, you know, how do we bring that into the workplace? You know, one of the things that's really important for people to understand is, you know, you might not be the CEO of your organization, but guess what? You have full autonomy and power over how you're treated. You have full autonomy and power over how many, how you're going to set boundaries. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, setting boundaries about what shouldn't happen to you you can also set boundaries of what should happen to you. Like, so you, you could set boundaries positively or negatively. Mm -hmm. And so one, one of the things I say about, you know, how can I bring my full self to the workplace? Well, guess what? Let's set a new, set a new boundary. I want to, you know, your, your hair is, how would you describe your hair color? Teal or turquoise or? Teal, good I don't, I don't, job. Okay, you... good, okay. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Look at this, I'm, I'm Pantone King right now. Bravo, so, yes. Yeah. So, if we, so if we go with teal, um, that's a new boundary. Hey, this is how I, this is I'm basically because you're extending the boundary. I want to I want to let people in a little bit. I want to let people know a little bit more about me and I'm going to wear my hair how I want to wear my hair, mm -hmm. you know, and I, I experienced that, you know, my hair is longer. My hair was short. My like most of my career, well, I can't even say most of my career because I've just been longer for for a long time. But I consciously changed the boundary that I had mm -hmm. because my my the my appearance was a part of a mask I wore. And it came to me where I was like, why am I thinking about a job interview or a potential job interview about how I look? Why, why, is, why is that controlling how I want to see myself, how I want to be as a human? Mm -hmm. And so I was like, screw that. I'm going to do what I want because that's, my, that's the boundary I want to set in this life for me. And whatever sacrifice that is, oh, you're not dressed for success or whatever because of your hair it's unprofessional well if if it ever negatively impacts me in my career which i don't think it will i own my own business but if it ever negatively impacts me in my career that's probably not a place i need to work in the first place mm -hmm. so and that's so true i didn't even think of the hair thing because i didn't do any of this until well out of the corporate world 
And even when I'm thinking of how I wrote my own blogs and presented myself when I went to networking events, I was still very tight. You tight wore masks. I was. I wore yeah. so many masks showing yeah. up, and there it is. Or at least the first five years of my own business because of that mm-hmm. ingrained. Were, and it took and it took time for it to loosen up. Yeah. For it to, you know, and so that, and that's what I'm trying to say. Like mm-hmm. there are people, there are people who are never going to experience the teal hair there, mm-hmm. they're, but they want to their whole life. Mm-hmm. And they're never going to experience that because that's the trade-off that they accept. And that's the trade-off that they want. Mm-hmm. And so there's no right or wrong. There's optimal for what you view as optimal. And like, and, and so people, people who view you know people make people will make sacrifices um that work for them but the basis of my ted talk was really just for recognition mm-hmm. and understanding that there is another way and if and one way is not to go extreme and say i'm gonna just rip the mask off and just do whatever i want and da, 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 da. you got to have a job i guess you know there you know there are there are you know there are things we need for survival and sustenance but there also are you know there also are other ways too that's not extreme and and it's also I think you know, the the baby stepping your way into being okay with taking that mat because that's a scary gosh darn thing. Is mm-hmm. will the company still value and appreciate me as I remove my own mask? Mm-hmm. Um, and if they don't, you know, it's not the end of the world. It, to your point, it means that maybe that's just not the place for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are millions of yeah. other companies and yeah. opportunities. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, and that's and I think that's where that's where we have to wake up a little bit because mm-hmm. I think you know in the structures you know of capitalism and stuff like that, people have this assumption of like, oh my gosh, I need to like stick to this job until I retire or something. Mm-hmm. When in reality, you know, that's not the case. And movement and growth is always a possibility for 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 you and so i think we just have to be able to have that mindset of like you're not stuck and you also can be you and you just have to find the balance that you're comfortable with because a lot of times we Mm -hmm. tend to put up rules that actually don't exist and so when i uh started growing my hair out in i think this was 2015 or something like that i actually I mean, I, people commented, people said some pretty ignorant comments and things like that, but I've, you know, I've gotten jobs and you know what I mean? Like, it's not, I mean, I, I you know, I actually mm-hmm. train recruiters. So it's like, I'm, you know, it's kind of like flipping the tables. So, so it, it so I, my fears were, were internalized, um, yeah. you know, and, but they were based off of, they were based off of things I've experienced, obviously, but they were internalized and, until I took the mask off a little bit and tested it. Mm-hmm. And once I did, I've actually found that like, it's, it wasn't as, um, tumultuous as I originally, you know, perceived it to be. And so that's another, that's another thing that I want people to understand as it relates to these, these, you know, take this notion of taking off the mask per se, Mm -hmm. is some of the things that we are creating as barriers or harms that may manifest, their perceptions at the the standpoint, but that doesn't make it less scary or anything like that, but (laughs) <laughs> but, that, but that's but, oh okay that's right, it it's all right. all right no, but that but that's why but that's why i was saying having a good coach or yeah. talking one-on-one with someone externally is always a helpful thing because they'll put you in a position to be able to challenge those perceptions as well and provide you other alternatives and opportunities to think about it differently i'm what so this is there's a question that i have it was not fully formed 
but it has to do with, do you think that as business changes, as we're learning that, you know, companies who allow their, who, who, who encourage their people to show up as they are in the wholeness of themselves in their own special, unique personality, skill sets, attitude, all of that. Mm-hmm. Do you think, you know, some of those like, like diversity. So one thing that you talk about is that diversity and inclusion. And I, mm-hmm. and I love that. Yeah. Do you feel that as culture itself is shifting, as people are for whatever reason, it's just taken so long for us to wake up, mm-hmm. you can see me roll those eyes. Um, <laughs> How, how is that going to be impacting where we're going as, as a culture, as humans, as, as business people, as business personhoods, mm-hmm. uh, and how, how, how is that going to change business maybe? I think business will evolve in a way that is more, at least it'll, it'll be, you will see more attempts at compassion. I, I really, I truly believe that. Mm-hmm. Um, I've also done work with K-12 institutions and I'm seeing how children are being taught about inclusion and equity and stuff like that. Much, much more than I was taught, much more than my, my mom was taught. You know, so I think, I think the more we get to the youth, the better as well, because that'll create a better society. Mm-hmm. I think uh, one of the things that will shift our you know, we will have greater systems in place and continue to shift in our laws and the way we, you know, the way we view and treat people as we have over the years, right? Since, you know, you know, I mean, look at the whole last century of, of shifts in the workplace, right? Mm-hmm. What I think, what I think won't shift as fast are mindsets and mental models. Um, because one of the things that I, that I, I see is, you know, you can look at something like this. So you look at the Civil Rights Act of 1964 in the United States. And so that, you know, workplaces got more, you know, integrated and women and minorities, you know, been promoted to management positions. You had a lot of laws that existed as relates to that. And so you still have the gender pay gap. You still have racial pay gap. You still have, you know, you still have like people that have to like think about how they wear their hair in job interviews. Still, you, you still have like, dress for success for women and that's weird like you still have those gendered and like racial mental models that are just oppressive and so i I think we need to be able to operate in both both and you know Mm -hmm. so let's look at the systems but let's also look at the mindsets and behaviors as well and so what i think will happen in the workplace is i think systems will improve i think policies will shift I think there'll be more emphasis on, you know, parents and, you know, mental, you know, neurodivergency. You know, I just think a lot of, I think there's going to be a lot of progression as we see in the workplace. Um, And I think those mental models and behaviors will also shift, but I think they will shift slower because unfortunately, a lot of people who are in power got into power a certain way. Mm -hmm. And a lot of conversations that I have with folks that tent, that stuff comes up behind closed doors where people feel like they could just tell me anything. And I'm sitting here like, okay, you know, and so sometimes people view, you know, equity as oppression themselves. They're like, oh, you know, why do we need a person of color on this board? I'm like, oh, well, there's a lot of great reasons why you should have a person of color on this board, you know, or, or a woman on this board. There's a lot of reasons. 
but those those mental models are still there regardless of the laws and the rules we've created those mental models are still there and so i think there will always need to be work on having these conversations mm -hmm. and um being open uh to to challenging our beliefs mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. no you're absolutely right and it comes yeah. down to belief revision at the end of the day and if we can't do that mm -hmm. that's the issue that's a huge issue yeah yeah, yeah. dr kevin i've i've really enjoyed our time today and it's not done yet so don't worry but before we go into our very last question i want people to know how they can connect with you to know where they can listen to your genius and your insights and where can people find dr kevin sansbury absolutely so um i can be reached on the linkedin uh, dr kevin sansbury i'm on linkedin pretty active on there uh, the Toxic Leadership Podcast is active on well, toxicleadershippodcast.com. You can find us on all streaming platforms. You can find us on LinkedIn as well, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. And then my business website is kevraconsulting.com. And yeah, I'm, I'm pretty active on the web and always looking to connect with folks across the, around the globe, actually. Mm -hmm because toxic leadership is around the globe. <laughs> I am learning that, yes. As are yes. awesome people. <laughs> yep, absolutely. <laughs> Alrighty, so we get our last question right now. All right. <clears throat> Dr. Kevin, mm -hmm. in your mind of opportunity and possibility, what do you believe would happen if businesses realized that they are people too? I believe we would see a greater emphasis on people. And with that being said, people would come first. With that being said, well-being and compassion would come first. And I think we wouldn't have to have a diversity, equity, inclusion initiative or project or strategy. It would just be embedded in our very being and our core of an organization. And so the complexity of people will basically be intertwined into the complexity of the business. Oh, I love that. The complexity of the people will be intertwined into the complexity of the business. <laughs> Oof. And complex doesn't mean complicated. That's correct. So, that is correct. Mm. Beautiful, brilliant answer. Dr. Kevin, thank you so gosh darn much for just taking the time out of your day to have such a lovely conversation of insight with me. I appreciate being invited and I, I love talking to you today. So thank you. Okay, thank you. Well, thank you again. And to everyone else, big hugs, big love, and have a most awesome day. Oh my goodness. Lindsay here to just say thank you for tuning in and listening to this episode of Businesses Are People Too, a podcast. It's listeners like you who are going to change the way business is done, bringing real human connection back into our businesses. 
If you believe that businesses are people too and are curious about how you can add more human into your business brand and values, then let's chat so you can take action that actually matters to you and your people. Simply email lindsay at therightharl.com or find me online at www.therightharl.com or quirkylindsayharl.com. And to never miss an episode of the brilliant minds we get to learn from, be sure to subscribe and listen on your favorite podcast platform. You know, either Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Anchor. Of course, if you really enjoyed this episode, you would absolutely make my heart do a wee giggle if you left a five-star rating. Until next time, big hugs, big love, and have a most awesome day.